0: Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? I think Alan missed the boat. I think he should have had you all do about 15 jumping jacks. Yeah, you thought about it. Had everybody spread out for that, I guess. That would have been a problem, but... The more active you are, uh, uh, the more the blood flows, the warmer you get. That's the way that works, I believe. Anyway, my name is Gary. I want to welcome everybody out today on this cold January morning. And uh, 2016 is here. And if you noticed on your bulletin, I liked what it said. It says right on the front, it's a brand new year. Is it the same old you? And uh, that's what Tim's planning on talking about for the next few weeks. And so he asked me to kind of carry on with that today and, or begin it, whichever way you want to look at it. Who made anybody make New Year's resolutions? You know, nobody wants to own up to them. A few folks did, okay. I won't bother to ask how we're doing with those, I know how that works. Okay, that was one of the things I, I looked at when I did a little bit of research online about popular uh, New Year's resolutions. And as soon as you looked at them, there was also popular New Year's resolutions and the reasons we break them. You know, I mean, and isn't that kind of the way it goes with New Year's resolutions? Okay, you know, it's kind of like what they say: New Year's resolutions are made to be broken, right? I mean that's kind of it, but I, I, I mean, and that's that is the pattern. In all honesty, if we did a, a survey of us or of you know anybody that's ever made New Year's resolutions, we're going to find out that it's a minority of the people who actually stay on track for the whole year. Is that not fair to say? That's accurate. Yes. Okay. Um, and so I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I'm just not. Uh, I think it's a great time of year. To, to evaluate, and we're going to be talking about that today, and saying how are you doing, what's going on? Uh I love John Lennon's song, Happy Christmas. War is over. You know, because it starts out, so this is Christmas and, and what have you done? You know, another year's over and a new one's just begun. You know, and it's like it's whenever I hear that song I think it's time to evaluate. What have I done? Where am I at? I thought and I I, I wasn't Tim and I didn't discuss his his topic there on the cover that says it's a brand new year. Is it the same old you? I think the question more is likely is, will it be the same you next year? That's the real question. You see, now like I said, I'm just not I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I'm also not a big fan of. Um, Oh, what it is. The the church marquees. Like you have out front, you put the letters up. and Some churches put cute little sayings on them, you know, about what's going on. You know, the most popular one is CH, space, CH. What's missing? You are. You get it? (laughs) It's, It's the most popular one. Typically those annoy me, but this week I saw one that was rather good and rather timely. It says, Daily Devotion is more important than yearly resolution. And I thought, isn't that the truth? And honestly, if you want to be different next year, it's going to take daily devotion. That's far more important than making your resolutions, though at some point you do have to decide. And guys, I just, I just want to tell you, I mean, we are a church, if you're visiting with us, uh, at the Greater Alton Church, believes that we are here to follow Jesus. We're here to live life the way He intends for us to live it. He is our King. We are His servants. We are His disciples. He calls us to be like Him, which means if I'm going to be like Him, I have to change. In Romans chapter 12, that's what it says. It says, Let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. And guys... So the question is, you know, it, will it be the same you next year? Really is a question of, am I serious about following Jesus or not? Because when you evaluate, changing is part of following Jesus. If you look at yourself and you go, well, it's the same me. you need You need to realize you're not following Jesus the way He says to. Because when He says, follow me, He says... You come be like me, and you'll be a different person. That's what following Jesus is all about. And so when we talk about this today, and we're, we're talking about, I, I've entitled this, Getting Started and Staying Focused. And if you're looking at your notes, it says, how do I keep my resolutions? Guys, this goes much farther than New Year's resolutions. Because honestly, if you're going to change, typically you have to decide at some point you want to be different. Whether it's just changing the way you think and that leads to a change of actions, or you look at your actions and you go, I don't like the way I am. Or you look at yourself and go, I'm not right. And I need to be different. You're resolving at that point to be different. And guys, that's, that's what it's all about. But what, what we're going to talk about today is how do I make and keep my resolutions? The first thing that we have here, guys, is I, want, I need to take inventory of what I've been given. Take inventory of what I've been given. If you look here in Proverbs 27 and verse 23, it says, Be sure to know the conditions of your flock. Give careful attention to your herds. Guys, when you look at this, there's two things I want to talk about. One is just taking inventory. I'm guessing nobody here has any herds or flocks. Jim, do you have any herds? You sold out earlier. Jim's an old farmer. I'm guessing nobody else does unless you have a few free-range chickens could get some eggs for. Most of us don't have flocks and herds like this proverb was talking about. So why does God say it? Why do I bring it up? Well, it's not just a matter of having flocks and herds. He's saying you need to take inventory of what you have. Understand what you have. Now, I added on to that what you have been given. Why did I do that? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 7, it's not in your notes. I'll read it to you. It says, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You see, guys, there's nothing in your life that you possess that you were not given from God. Nothing. Your parents were a gift from God. Your children are a gift from God. The money that you make is a gift from God. The ability to make money is a gift from God. And I believe it's in the book of Ecclesiastes. It even says, it's either Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, the ability to enjoy what you do is a gift from God. And guys, everything we have, and I, I, I encourage you, to challenge you, to take a look at what you have, what's going on in your life, And ask yourself the question, what what wasn't I given? Guys, one of the things we did last year here at Greater Alton is we looked at several parables of Jesus over the summer. We spent last year looking at the life of Jesus and at the words of Jesus. And... Uh... In a couple of the different parables he talks about, several of them actually, he uses this illustration where he talks about the kingdom of God is like, and then he goes on to talk about either a king or a master who gives things to his servants to manage while he is gone. And very clearly, he is the master, he is the king, and one of them he actually says, a king went off to be appointed king, which is what Jesus has done. And he gave things to his servants to be managed while he is gone. And he comes back and he says, What have you done with what I entrusted to you? Hey guys, I think it's important that, you know, you're going to say, what do I have and what am I doing with it? Everything. The money that you possess, all of your assets, your job, your career, even the skills you have, they're a gift from God. And you've got to take inventory and say, what am I doing with them? You see, in one of the stories in Matthew 25, there was a servant who was given a lump sum of money and he buried it. He did nothing with what the Master entrusted him. And when the Master got back, he was not happy. So it's important, I believe at any time, but now the first of the year, to take inventory of what's going on, what God's given you, and say, what am I doing with it? What am I doing with it? You see, if you look at that verse in your notes in Haggai, chapter 1, what you see here is these people didn't have to take an inventory because God took it for them. Let's read it. He says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you, yourselves, to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? When he says this house, he's talking about his temple. His temple. And guys, what he's talking about there is he's saying, look, I want you to take inventory of what's going on, and I'm going to start it for you. I'm going to tell you exactly where to look. And he starts out telling them about comparing their actions. He's taking the inventory to them. And guys, that's the first thing you need to do is take inventory. The second thing you need to do, and this is a continuing thought, but it says you need to give careful thought to my ways. Now maybe these two points should have been combined, I don't know, but give careful thought to my ways. We're going to read in Haggai in just a minute where that's what God told the people in Haggai, is to give careful thought to your ways. I um. I had a, I had a gift for Christmas. Anybody get any gifts for Christmas you weren't expecting? Yeah? Did you like it? <laughs> I got I something. My wife got me and my two boys something that I was kind of curious about. I'd seen the commercials. Maybe you've heard of them. It's Duluth Trading Buck Naked Underwear. <laughs> Have you heard that? Like you ain't wearing nothing at all. No stick, no sweat, no pinch, something like that. Now, my friend Brian Alfred had told me, hey, they're pretty good. <laughs> He he got some of them, and he he said, they're pretty good. Well, Susan got us a pair, and I think it was the very next day I, I tried them on, and guess what? They're pretty sharp. They're good. Now, for $22 a pair, they should be, correct? You can get about six pairs of Hanes for that, I do believe. And they're pretty nice, but they've created a problem in my life. You know what that problem is? When do I wear them? You know, you get up in the morning and you see them in your drawer and you say, that sure it would be nice to put those on. And then you go, I'm just going to work. You know? And then you go, well, maybe it'd make a bad day at work a little better. You know? But then you won't have them for when you need them. You know? There's an important event coming up and you may want to wear them for that. You know? And somebody said, you're going to be doing your laundry every day. Brian told me his solution. He says, I have about eight pair of them now. He said, they were all gifts. But guys, it created a problem. It makes me think about what pair of underwear I'm going to wear in the morning. I mean, I know this is trivial, but I've got to give it some thought. Guys, when God's talking about giving careful thought to your ways, He's talking about doing this on a much higher level. Okay? He's asking you to say, hey, look. Don't just go through the motions. Okay, don't just reach in the drawer every day and do the same thing you always do. You need to check things out. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 26. This is what it says. It says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. See guys, when I talk about giving careful thought to my ways... I'm talking about examining what direction you're moving in. What you're pursuing in life. What you're after. You see, because God just, most of, most of us, and I'm guilty, guys, it is so easy just to kind of wander through life. To do the things that you're supposed to do, let responsibilities take your attention, take your focus, and all of a sudden you're caught up doing stuff you really don't want to do. Like worry. Like maybe you're working more than you want. You're stressed more than you want. And guys, God wants you to ask the question to take time to give careful thought to your ways and to answer the question, where am I going? Now, what's that have to do with taking inventory of my stuff? Guys, when you take inventory of your stuff, they tell you what direction you're going. I'm going to give you three things. It's not this end of your notes. You can write them down if you want. But you want to know as you take inventory of the things in your life... And you want to check out what direction you're going. There's three things I think you can examine to do that. Number one is your checkbook. You want to know what you're pursuing and what you're chasing in life. You look at where you're spending your money. Jesus said, Where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And that's the very first place to do it. What's going on with your money? Do you look at it as, hey, this is mine? And in America, what does it say? I need to get everything I can. You know, you don't need to wear Hanes underwear. You need to wear Duluth trading, buck naked underwear. And you're spending your money making yourself more comfortable on a daily basis. Are you using your money to help other people? What are you doing? One of the the, the uh, stories, I was going to wait until later in the lesson to tell this, but I, I love it. It's too good. Uh, Coral Kimball, she was up here singing earlier, and uh, Coral's had a rough ten years. Is that a fair way to say that? A lot of, a lot of rough ten years. In that ten years, she, she's, she's been divorced, become a single parent. Uh, she went back to school, got her master's degree. Uh, only had part-time work for a period of that time, and uh, and just she she just was very honest with herself when she looked. At her money, she budgeted her money extremely well. You want to know how to get by with little or nothing, you can talk to Coral. And she, she can tell you how she did it. Very faithful in giving to the church. All these things. But when she looked at herself and she looked at her, her, her money and the direction she was going, so it wasn't a lot of frivolous spending, but she learned she didn't, have, she didn't trust God the way she wanted to. She looked and she said, I want a bigger bank account. And it was very cool because one of the things that God showed, when God showed her this that she did was she, he put it on her heart that any homeless person she saw looking for food, she was going to buy a meal for. And you know, no matter what was going on with her checkbook, no matter what else was happening, she was going to do that. And she was telling this story about how, you know, she did it. And one time she was, I think she was taking the kids over to their dads. And uh, it was a rather long drive. And so she saw somebody. And so she stopped and bought them a meal. And then before she got home, she finds somebody else. And she's forced to look. Guys, what's that all about? That's about her realizing, her giving careful thought to her ways. And she was looking at her checkbook. To decide that how you spend your money will show you the direction of your life. Are you all about saving it? You know, I, I joke with my son. My son, all of my kids uh, are fairly tight with a dollar, but my oldest son Jonathan is kind of the worst, isn't he? And it's very been very interesting to watch him get married and. Uh, put him and Emily on a budget, and to put, you know, Dad, she, she spends money all the time. You know, she spends money on stuff she shouldn't spend. That's what he says. He says. He says, okay? So he's got a budget, and they each get $20 a week fun money. And, you know, naturally Jonathan saves his fun money. Now, you know what he does with it? Because Jonathan's always been a saver. But do you know what he saves his money for? Something he could spend it all on at once. I mean, he did it. He worked all summer when he was about 14. Worked all summer and bought him an iPhone. Worked all summer the next summer and bought airsoft guns. Worked all summer the next summer and bought... What did he buy? I don't know. He always had something in mind. He was a saver. But it was always to buy something for himself. You see, guys, our money tells us tells you what, what, what direction you're going in, where your heart is. That's what Jesus said, is where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The second thing, guys, is, uh, is it will tell you about... Lost my place in my notes, excuse me. It will tell you about wh- what direction you're going in when you give careful thought to your ways is your schedule. Because what you're doing with your time. What you're doing with your time I don't know if you look at time as a gift, I do. I, I've uh, uh, one of the challenges for me this year. It's God has shown me over the last quarter of last year that the way I spend my time isn't the way he, he wants it to. that my time, my thoughts, my energy, was spent on trying to build myself financial security. And it created a lot of worry. It created a lot of stress. And what happens when you get stressed? You want to escape. And what happens when I escape? I watch TV. And my wife and I... Today, is today the last day for the Dish? Dish Network's turned off today. They're getting no more of my money. But guys, when Susan brought that up, I said, I'm like, yes, I watch too much. You know? Now, instead of watching one more episode of Law & Order... One more episode of NCIS. One more episode of the Big Bang Theory. I have to choose. Am I going to read? See because guys, one of the things that got placed in my heart, I, you know, I've talked about this several times. you know we we've, we've bought our third car wash a year ago, and it's just really stressed me. It's worried me. God's shown me this. And part of the reason we bought these is to get me out of the auto glass business so that I can be more semi-retired. You know, it doesn't once these are up and running properly, I won't have to work full time on them, and I can honestly give my time to the kingdom of God. That's what I'm after. And God basically saying, Why don't you start now? If you're gonna trust me, and then guys, he's showing me I'm not trusting him. I want to trust a good business. I want to trust a big bank account. And my schedule was showing me what I was doing, how I was spending my time incorrectly. Third thing, guys, that it will show you what direction you're moving in, is what dominates your thoughts. What dominates your thoughts? Does anything just grab a hold of you and suck you down and give your attention, and you don't let go of it? Anybody else happen to, happen to me? I mean, any, that happened to anybody else besides me? You know what I woke up thinking about this morning? Four o'clock in the morning. You know what I woke up thinking about? LED lights. LED lights. We put new LED light bulbs in our car wash down in Collinsville. I've got them planned for other... We've got lighting problems. we got new bulbs. And I woke up... Why? Because I've given... It's dominating my thoughts. I've got to learn it. So I can buy the right things. And we can do it the cheapest... What dominates your thoughts? Guys, it will tell you the direction you're going in. If you're, domin- if you're worried about money, you're not trusting God. That's the wrong direction. What goes there, guys? What goes there? I just want to say, guys, when it talks about evaluating the direction of your life and giving careful thought to your ways, it takes some real honesty. You've got to really want the answer to that question of what direction I'm going. Look at this passage in Haggai. It says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. He's referring to his temple, which was laid in ruins. He says, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, Because of my house which remains a ruin While each of you is busy with your own house Therefore because of you the heavens have withheld their dew And the earth its crops I called for a drought on the fields And the mountains On the grain The new wine The olive oil And everything else the ground produces On people and livestock And on all the labor of your hands Guys do you see the problem here? The problem wasn't that they had houses. The problem wasn't that they were building them. Or they were making them nice. The problem was they were neglecting the temple of God. They were neglecting the kingdom of God. And they were only giving attention to themselves. You see guys, if you would have looked at the checkbooks... Of the people in Haggai, and I know they didn't have checkbooks back then, alright, so just bear with me. But if you would have looked at their checkbooks, you would have seen checks or debits or credit card statements to Lowe's and Home Depot, maybe Rural King, you know, the greenhouses. You would have seen them where they bought paint and paid the carpet layers and paid the carpenters. You know what you wouldn't have seen? You wouldn't have seen anything given to the temple. Because they weren't giving to the temple. They weren't doing anything for it. It wasn't a matter of what they were doing. It was a matter of why they were doing it. And what they were doing was showing the why. They were doing it for themselves. Guys, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 6 I want to read for you. It's not in your notes. And this is what it says. It says, Do not store up for yourselves... Treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where th- thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, if you look that up in your Bible, I encourage you, just focus in on those two words for yourselves. God doesn't say it's it's wrong to have a big bank account. He did not say that. In fact, He gives examples of many of His faithful men in the Bible who had a lot of money, who had a lot of possessions. Guys, the question is, what direction are you going with that bank account? Is that for yourself? Are you using that for other people? Are you using that to do the purposes of God, to serve God with? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You see, guys, here's the thing. In Haggai, they were talking about building a physical temple, and that's where God's present dwe- presence dwelt. And basically, by not rebuilding the temple, they were saying, ah, We're not really concerned about God in our lives. That's what they were saying indirectly by not giving the temple any attention. Now, there is no temple here. This building is just a hunk of rock. There is nothing special or sacred about it. Okay? God doesn't look at that and dwell in one place anymore. Though He does have a temple. If you look in your your notes in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, He tells you what your temple is. He says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. You see, guys, we're the temple now. The question is, am I building that temple to glorify God? Is that what I'm doing with the things that God has given me? You know, I I told you guys, one of the things that that I believe God has led me to a place where, hey, I I, I have more freedom. My wife jumped, not jumped, she was startled. She overheard me talking with somebody a couple weeks ago. And she goes, what was this I heard you say about being semi-retired? I go, I'm not semi-retired. I said, it's like I'm semi-retired. Well, what does that mean? It means, you know, that means that I can take half a day to help somebody clean out their house. Like we did last week. It means that I can take time in the middle of my day to take my mom to physical therapy when she needs to go. It means that when somebody calls with a need, I have time to help. Because I don't have a boss that I have to... I do have a boss. He's, he's God. And He says, go take care go help people. But I don't have a, a physical boss that says, you need to be here till, till 5 o'clock. You can't leave. Or if you leave, you won't get paid. He's given me the freedom to do that. Why? Because I'm His temple. I've got to glorify God now with my life and with my body and with my actions. Guys, the third thing here, after you take inventory and after you give careful thought to your ways, you need to include God in your examination. Now why do I say that? Because I, I think most of us would rather do evaluate ourselves than we would... Then we would have have a prophet come to us like Haggai did to these people. We would much rather figure it out ourselves because we would be less honest with ourselves. Is that fair to say? And guys, I encourage you to do something. I wish I had thought of this before. Well, let me go on. Let me go on. Guys, look at the verse there that I have in your notes in Psalms 139. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Guys, I think to pray these words or to pray the same idea that that this man prayed is one of the most challenging things in the world. If you're going to look at that and you're going to say, God... I want you to show me anything in me that offends you. That's a mighty scary prayer, isn't it? Can I tell you He'll answer that prayer? If you'll listen, He will answer that prayer. He will let you know what offends Him. If you, he wants you to know these things. And guys, I, I encourage you to do that. I challenge you to do that. I wish I had taken... I wish I had wrote my own letter of Haggai to myself. I didn't think about this beforehand. But I encourage you to do that. What, it, you know, Just like the book of Haggai, go read that chapter 1 again. Oh, it's only two chapters. So you can read both of them if you want. <laughs> go the extra mile. And, and just ask yourself... What if, if Haggai was around today, what message would God send, send him to me with? What would he have to say to me? You know, I mean, I thought about my last year, and I, I thought if Haggai came to me, he'd say, Gary, you're worrying way too much. You're pursuing financial security and not trusting God. You're spending way too much time, way too much thought, you're stressing when you don't need to and you're neglecting the things of the kingdom that you need to give attention to I believe that would have been the letter that I would have received I mean that's basically what God's told me over the last three months and guys that's why I say include God in it don't just try to figure it out on yourself because when you figure it out on yourself you want to know how when you're trying to figure it out on yourself you'll use three words you know what those three words are? I have to. When you examine your ways and you look at what you're doing, you use the words, I don't have a choice. You know, that's what I would have said last year. Well, I have to give attention to the car wash. It's new. I have to do this. It's breaking down. I have to. And that wasn't accurate. I have to give it some attention. I don't have to let it consume me. I've learned that I can say no to things. My ability to procrastinate finally has a place in my life. You know, that's a saying. You know, we have a saying at our house. We don't have to decide right now. You know, and sometimes, guys, literally, we need to decide within the next hour, but I'm going to give it some thought. I'm not going to stress about figuring it out right now. Guys, the fourth thing after you've taken inventory, after you've given careful thought to your ways and you've included God in the process, the fourth thing is to take some action. God doesn't just want you to understand your problems. <laughs> Oh, now I know why I do these things. He wants you. I love this passage here in verse fourteen. It says, "So the Lord, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God." Guys, when you're challenged, when God shows you what to do, there's some action you need to take. There really is something you need to do. Guys, for me, as I was talking about, it's a matter of God saying, you don't need to worry. Well, I thought once, and I've told Alan this, the goal of this is to free me up. Haven't I told you that? This is the goal, is to free me up. Did it free me up? No. Alan watched it from the front row. It didn't free me up and you know what God finally told me? Is you did this to live like a semi retired person. Start living like a semi retired person. Start spending your time doing other things. This week <laughs> this week we started the day, we started Monday uh helping somebody helping my brother he, with a problem at his house and we're doing that and uh in the before we even get done there we get a call from wendy johnson and wendy needs to go to the emergency room so susan's got to take wendy to the emergency room and she stays over there all day and i forget what all that means just all kinds of details and then we've got to worry oh no not worry about but that means that her kids are going to be staying at our house okay christian's 17 she's pretty well self-sufficient aren't you Okay, she drives. She comes and goes. We don't have to worry about her, but the twins are 11. You know, we've got to pick them up from school in the afternoon. We've got to worry about getting them to school in the morning. We got to make sure they have their clothes. You know, and, th- and that same night, my nieces were already spending the night. And I don't remember everything else that went on. But Susan, by the time Friday comes along, she goes, "Boy, our Saturday." She goes, "Makes you wonder what's going to happen tomorrow, doesn't it?" Because then Thursday night at 11 o'clock at night, Susan goes, I got a phone call, and I didn't answer it, and they left the voicemail because I didn't recognize the number. It's your brother. He's rolled his car. He's, in, he's okay. He's okay. He's back here somewhere. I thought I saw him. Yeah, 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 there you are, Greg. He's fine. It wasn't his fault. I just figured, well, Greg fell asleep at the wheel finally. That wasn't what happened car rolled over down low old somebody hit him from behind, rolled him over on the side. He's at, he's at the... He, I'm tired. I'm... I figure, well, I gotta call the number back. So I call the number back, and it's the, the, the paramedic. And that's whose phone call he called from, because his didn't work. He lost his battery in the wreck. And so, I call him up. He goes, yeah, he's fine. This is where you call. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not calling right now. What am I gonna do? Five o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. Okay, I was half asleep when all that took place. And it dawns on me. I almost don't answer the phone because I don't recognize the number. Then I realize it's from Belleville, and I go, I bet that's Greg. Because he was at the hospital in Belleville. It was Greg. Guess what he wants? He wants a ride home. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) A ride home, and my wife tells me, she says, be sure and take the clothes that are on the recliner, because those are for the girls. Here are my nieces. I said, okay, I'll take them. And before I get to the hospital, she calls up and goes, you took the wrong stuff. (laughs) I took... Uh, well, Sierra's clothes and she needs them back by 7 o'clock to go to school and so there's all kinds of things to coordinate you know Greg needs a vehicle so he can get around so he can get a rental vehicle and get his girls to school because they're staying at their mom's and all this crazy stuff I, I could never do that if I worked an 8 to 5 job I'd be going crazy guys now here's the deal Because I did that, because I took my time and did all those other things and helped other people, I didn't have time to work on my car wash. Because there's a list at the car wash of things that need done. A long list. And I wasn't able to get it done. And it was a bad week. Bad car wash week, which means we didn't wash many cars. And the temptation is to worry No cars being washed, problems that need fixed, and I'm off doing something else. If that's not a recipe for stress and worry, I don't know what is. But God has told me not to worry, so I had to choose not to do that. That's the action I had to take on top of spending my time other than working. Guys, what is it for you? What do you think it is for you? You may not know right, right right now. You may not have taken your inventory yet. You may not have given careful thought to your ways. But I can tell you if you do, if you choose to do that, God's going to give you something to do. He will show you. And just a real quick note here. You ever had the question of how do you know when God's answering you? I've heard that more times than I know. How do I know if God's given me an answer? Well, if you think He's telling you something that agrees with what He said in the Bible, He's telling you something. If He tells you something that doesn't agree with what's in the Bible, He's not telling you. You know, Back to what I was telling you about when I said, I don't have a choice. I have to do these things. The Bible is very plain that you have a choice. God is, d- describes that over and over and over again. Choose. Decide. Decide for yourself. Take some action. Guys, I encourage you again, getting back to concluding God in the process, when you start to narrow it down, you'll know, you'll know you're on the right track when you start asking God questions like, Am I spending my money foolishly? Should I give more money away? Do I need to watch less TV? Do I need to give more or less attention to my job? Notice I threw the word more in there because there was a time in my life where I needed to give more attention to my job. Should I spend more time studying the Bible and less time you fill in the blank. See, guys, that's one of the things we did. I I am just, I I believe with all my heart, I am excited about uh, our our focus for this next year. We've we've come up with a theme of mission here for the church, and we're beginning uh, to look at the book of Acts, and a book that was written by N.T. Wright on Acts for Everybody. I highly encourage you to get that. And he deals with two topics right off the bat. I got with our small group this week, and I said, Hey, I just want to kind of... I don't know, warn you is the right word or let you know what to expect because he talks a lot about the kingdom of God. And you, if you don't have a proper understanding of the kingdom of God, you're going to be called to have a proper understanding of the kingdom of God. And he's also going to talk about the significance of the resurrection. And any of you that know me or, or keep track of what I say up here, which I don't think is many of you, um, I've realized over the last four or five years that when it... We're blowing it when it comes to the resurrection. As a church, we do not pay attention. When you look at the book of Acts and you look at how significant the resurrection was to those people, and how much or how little we talk about it, we're missing it. And guys, I am I am convinced God wants me to understand it better, so I can help you all understand it better. And what's that going to take? <laughs> that takes. Less time watching TV, more time reading, more time watching good YouTubes. By the way, have anybody checked out the, the one on the website, the Francis Chan YouTube? I highly encourage you. Oh, the other night Susan and I went to sleep to Francis Chan instead of Sheldon in the Big Bang Theory. Guys, figure out what you can do and begin doing it. You don't have to do it all at once, but start moving in the direction that God's leading you. The last thing, guys, as I close out, is persevere. Stick to it. Don't give up. There's two passages there in your notes that both talk about perseverance. I'm going to look just at the last one in Luke chapter 8. It says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Guys, most of the time when this parable is looked like, this is taken out of what's called the parable of the soils, or the parable of the sower. And he lists four kinds of soil, and this is he talking about the good soil. And whenever I've seen this talked about and taught about, the word perseverance is usually ignored. And I hate this. I Not that it's ignored, that too, but I hate... That part of God's method for me changing is perseverance. I want to do it once and have it on straight. Anybody else? Have you seen the commercials? What if one push-up could prevent heart disease? And they show the guy going down, one. I relate to that. What if one stalk of broccoli could prevent cancer? One. And I'm done. Guys, that appeals to me because that's the way I want it to be. But the truth of the matter is, God's method for growth is actually written on the bottle of your bottle of shampoo. You know, your bottle of shampoo says lather, rinse, repeat, right? And, you know, the, the uh, comedians have made fun of that. Well, when do you stop? You know, because you just keep repeating. That's the way it is with growth with God. When He tells you something to do, you keep doing it. Guys, if you want 2016 to be a year that you look back on and say I'm not the same person, you're going to need to follow these steps. You're going to need to take some different action that God leads you to take. And guys, we want 2017 or 2016 to be to be a year you look back at on in 2017 as a year where you were changed. Let's pray and we'll be done. Father, I, I I thank you. Father, I thank you that every time I look at your word and I look seriously, you open my eyes. Father, you show me something that I haven't seen. Father, you when I truly seek, you find. I find, just like you promised. And Father, I want to pray right now that as a group, that can be our resolve for 2016, that we're going to seek you in this. We're going to give careful thought to our ways. And that, Father, we're going to trust you to show us. Father, we're going to give careful thought to our ways, believing that you want to be involved in our life and you're going to show us what you want us to show when we seek you. Father, as an elder of this church, that is what I desire. I desire for us all to be people who are transformed, who are changed. As a result of our relationship with you. Father, I'm sure there's every person in this room... I, I doubt there's very many people in this room that go, No, everything's good. I don't want anything different. Father, and I know there's nobody in this room that you look at and say, No, I don't... I, I, that you look at and say, I'm totally happy with you, the way you are, and you don't need to do anything different. Father, help us to be people who want to glorify You, who want to reflect Your glory, who want to be Your temple in the world every day around us. Help us to have that desire and lead us where You want us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.